Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you guys are safe and well. My garage looks a bit uh, empty, but all the cars are still packed there. I'm so busy, I haven't had time to rearrange my cars uh, post the summit we had last weekend. Anyhow, hope you guys are safe and well. We're gonna wait a few more seconds for you guys to join up. Uh, here we go, good morning, Amin. Uh, we got Logan this morning. We have several new members. I'm gonna have them welcome uh, the new members to the group, and then we'll get started. All right, good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Uh, so we do have some new members who join into the group we want to give a shout out to. Um, so welcome, welcome Aaron Portillo, uh, welcome Shayna, Chris, Pepin, uh, and Mahmoud. Welcome all to the group. We also have uh, Thai Q and uh, Mark Dorsey joined last Wednesday. We all have, also have Amit Patel um, and then Pedzi. Welcome to the group, everyone. Wow, quite a bit of new members. Thank you, guys. Um, happy to have you guys in the group and hope you guys enjoy the program and find it very helpful in your hunt to build your wealth in commercial real estate. And uh, today, the questions are a little bit on the light side. We have a handful of questions, so please post your questions uh, to the comment section so Logan can get to them after we're done with the list. But that said, we can get started. Hit me up, Logan. All right. Uh, so first question is from uh, Damon. He said, which states would you stay away from investing in right now? I'm seeing a lot of high cap deals in Michigan and Illinois. On the other hand, which states would you recommend investing in besides Texas and Arizona? Yeah, good question. Well, you know, the, the shift has been a lot of people moving to Texas. Arizona and Florida. Those three states are still the hot states. Um, you know, I do like other states, Oregon. Um, you know, there is North Carolina, South Carolina, pockets of those sub markets I really like. I would definitely stay away from Illinois. I don't want to say stay away from it. There are deals to find, but the property tax uh, over there, from what I'm learning, looking at a couple of uh, potential deals recently, um, the property taxes are very challenging and they're going after the commercial uh, real estate investors and landlords um, hiking the taxes and you got to go through the appeal and it's a little being a little aggressive on property taxes there but I would stay uh, I would say stick to Arizona Texas Florida um, Oregon uh, Washington um, and also I like the North Carolina South Carolina all right uh, and then Siraj posted in the comments, is that bike helmet yours? And are you into biking? What bike? I don't have a bike. The helmet? Oh, no. So that was given, uh, given to me by Norris, the McLaren driver. Uh, he signed it, sent it to me as a gift. So I'm going to drive it when I get my McLaren race car, which I ordered one. I'm super excited. It's going to come next year. It's called... Uh, Bespoke Project 8, they haven't named the car yet, but it's a single-seater, 900 horsepower, 2,200 pound, Formula One car, basically. That's awesome. All right, and then uh, speaking of Siraj, we'll go ahead and hop into your questions here. So the first one from Siraj, she said, as an investor, mm -hmm. when someone asks me my own cap rate on an office building property, mm -hmm. uh, let's say I'm buying it 20% occupied for 440,000 and putting in 140,000 for remodeling, and eventually 100% occupied by tenants, 
then what is my cap rate considered on the investment property? It is 100% leased mm -hmm. NOI divided by purchase price, or is it 100% leased NOI divided by purchase price plus cost of remodeling? Mm, okay, so Suraj, you got two different things you're talking about. One is the ROI, return on your investment, one's a cap rate. Cap rate is your rate of uh, you know, return on your capital. Um, based when you want to sell a property, you take the NOI divided by the proposed price, you want to sell it, and that's your cap rate. What you're talking about, uh, leasing cost and carrying cost um, and capex, whatever you put in the building, yeah, you deduct that from your sales price that you're going to sell it and that's your rate of return roi we call it so it's two different things uh the cap rate never takes into effect the cost you put into the building it's basically the noi divided by value sales price that um, you're going to list it for all right and then the next question from siraj he said the medical building i am purchasing uh the tenant position on a month-to-month -month lease who's leasing 20% of the space. Mm -hmm. um, the landlord told me there has been no security deposit paid and the tenant has been there 24 years now and no issues in rent payment. When I take over as landlord, should I implement a security deposit as new landlord? Um, also on that note for new tenants, how much security deposit do you usually charge your tenants? Is it one month rent, mm -hmm. two months rent, or does it depend on tenants' credit factors? good question uh for a tenant that's been in the building for 24 years last thing you want to do uh go in there as a new owner ask for a deposit uh security deposit is to make sure the tenant can you know perform uh operate and be in business so you're secure right so you get one month of rent as security deposit is typical someone that's been there 24 years often you don't even need a security deposit as a matter of fact a lot of tenants that are a startup uh, they implement in their lease uh, after five years, their security deposit will return to them because they've already proven uh, they paid on time. Obviously, granted, they pay on time. Uh, they they expect to get the security deposit back. So that one is an absolute no-no. You don't want to ask for a security deposit. In terms of new tenants, yes, one month security deposit. If it's a new startup business and um, you know you're rolling the dice with a tenant's business and you're not sure they're going to last. Sometimes I ask for two months of rent in for security deposit. And did he have a third question? Um, he did have a third question. Uh, so he said, if we have time, what is the minimum credit score you like for your office space tenants? We typically don't ask for credit score. That's more for residential. Uh, we look at the business financials, their website, their growth. Um, and, uh, you know, if they've been in business for two years or longer, and if there is a, uh, those are look really weak, then I look for a personal guarantee, we call it PG. And then that's when you would run a credit app and check the guy's credit history because you're relying on him personally to guarantee the lease. But it rarely comes into play. All right. Uh, next question is going to be from Zoran. He said, hi, Manny, can you help me understand how cash out refi works? Uh, my understanding is if the property does increase in value, but your mm -hmm. cash flow on it doesn't cover the new higher cash out loan, mm -hmm. they won't lend it to you. Is that correct? That's correct and not correct. <laughs> Depends. If you're getting a bridge loan, it's always based on pro forma. Often the property does, doesn't cash flow, that's where you're bridging it. Uh, you bridge it usually for a couple of years until you stabilize the property. 
then you put a perm loan, permanent loan, to take out the bridge. Um, and the you know the typical DCR debt coverage ratio lenders use is 1.25, and that's basically means your uh, debt payment fully amortized times 125 percent is what the NOI of the property should actually have. That's for a permanent loan, and then if it's bridge loan again. They do the same thing. They do a stress test at the stabilization NOI. And how you calculate it is easy. You take your NOI and you times it, uh, sorry, divide it by 125%. And you'll get the maximum debt uh, payments that the property can basically uh, cover. So if it's 150,000, we'll do the math. So you guys can write this down. Let's say the property has $150,000 NOI. You divide that by 125 percent and that would be hundred twenty thousand dollars maximum uh that the property qualifies uh, on 125 debt coverage ratio so your payments fully amortized cannot be more than basically ten thousand a month awesome all right so our next question from malcolm uh as well he asked uh manny when looking for office opportunities what location details are most important i.e. intersection within business park, vehicles per day, et cetera. For office building? Yes. Um, definitely signage. Um, if it's an office building, you, I'm <clears throat> assuming you're talking about vertical, you know, five, six, seven, eight story freeway is always a key. If, uh, hard corner is always a key. So visibility is very important on any, um, on any size of office building, because often these tenants want, you know, eyebrow signage or building signage, freeway signage. Um, you don't want to be in a quiet corner. Uh, if it's a, a office building, you want to have exposure. So traffic's definitely preferred. All right. And then second question from Malcolm, would you consider adding solar to office buildings to lower expenses? Um, depends. If your property is on a full gross leases, uh absolutely if it's on a triple net leases it still helps you because your triple net fees are going to be less than your competition so overall the gross rate the tenant's going to pay is going to be lower uh, and that you know that helps your roi and uh keeps your building full uh, if the rate of return for me rule of thumb if i can get, break even in five years that's basically 20 percent return a year right I would do it. And a lot of times there's subsidies, there's credits, tax credits that can offset that. Um, another thing to keep in mind, if you're doing solar, if it's a five, six story, you have a small footprint on the roof, that doesn't usually pan out. But if it's a one or two story office building or industrial, it does pan out, but depends how much room you got on the roof. For me on this building, I have three solar, uh, I mean, sorry, uh, three cell towers and substantial amount of air conditioning units because it's got pre-packaged units up there. And so there is not even enough coverage for me to do solar. I did look into that, uh, putting solar on this building. So there's a lot of factors going to it, but uh, definitely the cost of solar has been coming down substantially in the past 15 years. Uh, so I do see a lot of rooftops with solar around me, but I've utilized that, uh, made a lot more money uh, doing the cell towers on it. All right, uh, and then we have our next question from Mark. He said, what is the minimum amount of capital you would need to invest in commercial real estate for people starting out in this? 
uh, we've been hearing different perspectives on what is required for down payment. So can you please clarify for first time commercial real estate buyers, how much capital you need? Good question. I bought my first commercial property in Whittier, California. I put 200,000 cash down. That was, I believe it's six or $700,000 purchase, maybe 800. It's a long time ago. Uh, and I had the seller carry back uh, because I didn't qualify for a loan at the time. So, you know, 200,000 depends if you're going to uh, some areas in Texas, Arizona. Um, yeah, you can definitely find a property that's asking price of 900 to a million and have seller carry back with $200,000 cash down. If you find an opportunistic deal that you can add value, seller's motivated, is selling a deep discount, a couple hundred thousand, you could still find a deal to get in, get your foot in the door. But if you're looking in California, you're probably gonna need 750,000 to a million bucks to get into a commercial property because down here, barely anything's under $3 million. So do the math, 30%, 900 grand. Awesome. All right, and then a follow-up question from Smart. He said, when we're first-time commercial real estate buyers, should we focus on fixed income properties or capital growth properties um, per your video with outline book types? Uh, definitely capital growth. On a fixed income, there is not, not much upside. You're parking your money for yield. Um, and if you're starting out, I'm assuming you want to uh, capital growth so you can build equity. So value add is the only deals you should be looking at. All right, uh, we'll go ahead and hop over to our last question that was sent in beforehand from mm -hmm. Raul, and then we're going to hop into the comments. So guys, go ahead and start posting your questions in the comments. Yeah, maybe I should, yeah, maybe I should talk slower. We're running out. <laughs> uh, we do have some coming in. All um, right. So the next question is going to be from Raul, and he asks, uh, I'm currently in the middle of a 1031 exchange. Mm -hmm. We have another four months before we close on our new property mm -hmm. due to buyers being government-related. My idea is to either exchange for a large warehouse mm -hmm. or split it up or to exchange for a strip mall type layout. What would you recommend? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, to do multiple deals on one exchange uh, because you've got such a short window of time to identify 45 days and then you have another four and a half months to close on it. Uh, that 45 days, what is the bottleneck for most people that are doing exchange? Because if you find a property on the 46th day and it's too late to identify it, so you're pretty much uh, at the mercy of those three or four or 10 properties you listed, uh, you ID'd. Um, I would try to find one deal that you can, uh, 1031, because uh, if you 1031 half of it and the other half you don't find a suitable property, you're going to be forced to pay taxes on. So focus on one. Um, I think that was his question, right? Yes. One or two, I would go with one. Okay. And then uh, his other question, just on asset type. Mm -hmm. Asset type, I still like retail, industrial, and I do like office. If you don't need the cash flow, the value at office is amazing opportunity right now. And that's what I'm mostly focused on. All right. Uh, so now we'll hop into the comments and start with Ed. Um, so Ed asked for multifamily in Texas, in your opinion. How would you rank Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and Austin in terms of where to look for properties? Um, and then is there one city you prefer over another? <laughs> yeah, Austin, but Austin is so expensive, nothing makes sense. Dallas is picking up a lot of overflow from Austin, 
I love Dallas uh, market a lot more than Houston, uh, for especially for multifamily. Uh, rent increases are a lot more um, evident in that area than Houston. Um, and that's what I would focus, Dallas. All right. Uh, and then a follow-up question from Ed. When do you expect the office building asset class to return to pre-pandemic demands? Two years, uh, maybe three, but I would say two years or less, because um, I think by then uh, people have realized that uh, you have to get back to work. I mean, I'm already seeing it with some of the largest employers, uh, Google, Facebook, Apple, they're starting to put their foot down. You gotta get back to the office. So it may even be sooner than two years. Awesome. Uh, next question we have is from Suraj. He said, when we have an office building, let's say that it's 1980s built, while some surrounding office buildings look nicer and taller, mm -hmm. you know, 2000s built, what initial lease incentives do you recommend? Um, of course, I am remodeling the interiors and making it as nice or better than the newer buildings. Mm -hmm. Do you think, uh, you think initial lower gross rent or keep rents market and offer one and two months free, just trying to see your strategies before tenants to 1980s building versus surrounding newer 2000s buildings. Yeah, definitely use the rent abatement versus lower start rate. There are a couple of reasons. One, your effective rate's gonna be lower for the tenant, so they're excited because they'll blend in the two months into a three-year term, right? Or three months into a three-year term, and they're getting 10% off, right? three divided by 36, a little bit less. Uh, but when you go to refinance or sell it, your rate per square foot still shows high because you've already burned off those free, uh, free months of rent upfront. So that's what I typically do with most, most of my new leasing. Uh, that's what I would uh, you know, recommend you do. And then also, uh, how do you get tenants to uh, attract tenants to your building that's older versus a newer construction? Well looking to maybe do exposed ceiling remove the ceiling tiles put led lights make it a little bit more creative and i would highly recommend to do a spec one suite don't do the whole building so start with maybe a 1500 square feet suite and modernize it uh, get rid of the ceiling grid and exposed ceiling uh, exposed ducts uh, led lights um, and cool flooring and paint and use that as your showroom to lease up, you know, rest of the building. Awesome. All right, our next question is from uh, Pedzi, one of our newer members. So good to see you and, and happy to have you asking some questions. He said, what is the best way to conduct market research for a medical office building? Medical office building. Well, I still would resort to LoopNet CoStar. Those are the best uh, places to look what the competition is asking for rents and also asking price for sale. That gives you a pretty good indication where you, you can be in that range. So um, otherwise, uh, if you want to pay for it, you can get comps. Um, they have full leasing report and sales comps for um, MOVs, medical office buildings on CoStar. And I think LoopNet may have it too, but yeah. Those are your two. Last, you can go to a broker that does a lot of medical building uh, leasing or sales and just connect with them and ask them for uh, guidance on where that range is. All right. Uh, Salome has our next question. 
she asked, Manny, what type of commercial properties other than office buildings would you consider a good start investment? I know you've mentioned small neighborhood plazas before. And then she said, uh, happy Naruz, by the way. Oh, happy Naruz. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, retail, office. Sometimes there is industrial flex space um, out of a state. Uh, I don't know which state you're in, Salome, but I would say a stake to retail first, office second, and very rarely you're going to find an opportunity in industrial because it's just so such a hot asset class right now. Multifamily and industrial is on fire. So I have rarely come across an opportunistic deal in those two asset classes. But retail and office still where I think you're going to find a lot of distress and value at. Awesome. Um, another question from Pedzi. What are some of the active ways to lease an office building instead of just waiting for the agent? Well, uh, believe it or not, depends on your footprint. If it's a small three, 400 square feet suites, uh, Craigslist, uh, social media, um, you know, some people use that uh, to lease. Uh, you can also put a big banner on the building and, uh, you know, entice them with, uh, I don't know, six months free rent. Depends. Depends how aggressive you want to be. Um, but people always like, uh, you know, uh, sign a new lease, move across the street, and not pay for six months. <laughs> and uh, so uh, depends how aggressive you want to be. But those are some areas. If it's a larger footprint, I would say if your broker is not performing and you don't have enough tours at your building and you've had three months with a broker, I would say switch horses. Awesome. Uh, next question from Khalid said, Manny, is it a good idea to let the new property seller know that you are doing a 1031 exchange? Do you think them knowing this information and with limited time 1031 exchange offers, they won't negotiate price? Um, yeah, it's a double-ended sword. Um, if there is a multiple offers on a property, you definitely want to let them know you're in 1031 and you're getting a great deal you're not going to want to retrade it. You're in 1031. Um, however, if a property has been on the market for a long time, multiple price reduction, they're motivated. It hasn't sold. If there's no offer on the table, no need to tell them you're in 1031. All right. Uh, next question from Arash. He said, Arash here, can I use 1031 exchange for residential? Uh, my primary mm -hmm. residence has good amount of equity and I would like to use 1031 to convert it to a different primary residence yeah unfortunately uh you're gonna have to rent it and you're gonna have to show them your tax return that it was a rental property because 1031 exchange is only for income property like kind exchange so you cannot uh do your primary residence flip it and buy income property it has to be like for like exchange and you cannot exchange your primary residence but you do have uh if you're single and 500,000, if you're married exemption, and I believe that is still is in the, in place by IRS. So you will defer your federal, I don't know about California, but federal, you can defer, uh, not defer, but ex get that exemption. So if you make 250,000 profit, you don't have to pay taxes on it. As long as you've occupied it, I believe two years, but check with your CPA this is by no means <laughs> tax advice here. All right. Next question from Samar. She asked for a value add office. Are these typically medium uh, high rises or smaller one or two stories? Everything. 
uh, it's everything. It could be a single story, five uh, five thousand square feet building, office building, or it could be a three hundred thousand square feet high rise. So anything that's mismanaged and is underperforming to its peers in that sub market, it's value add. All right. Uh, another question from Suraj. Uh, can I keep two to three different leasing agents for marketing vacant offices or legally you can only sign with one leasing realtor to run out vacancies? No, I mean, um, every agent is going to want exclusive listing, whether it's for sale or leasing. Um, rarely, an rarely an agent is going to put their sweat uh, and tears into a building if they know there is multiple people trying to lease the same space. Uh, another question from Malcolm. He said, I know you have mentioned this before, but what is your minimum for parking per thousand square foot ratio for office? Three to one. That's typical. That's uh, a minimum. All right. And then uh, next question from Ed. Do you think the Houston market will reach the levels of Dallas and Austin in the near future for multifamily? Uh, and then why do you not prefer Houston? Well, Mm, it could. Um, Houston is still very much heavily focused on energy, oil and gas uh, drilling, and uh, not, you know, although Amazon, um, you know, is growing rapidly in Houston, but most of the tech companies are preferring to go up north, uh, Dallas, Austin area, and that's where the big employment draw is and the high uh, wage earners which work for these tech companies. So the disposable income is rapidly rising in Dallas, Austin area, and Houston still heavily focused on oil and gas, which is going to do great. But oil being above, I think today is 108 bucks a barrel. As long as it stays above 80 bucks a barrel for at least 12 months, you're going to see a lot of uh, domestic drilling start, and that's going to boost uh, the Houston's economy. And that's my prediction. All right. Um, so Siraj replied to Edson's comment earlier asking on how to conduct market research with uh, medical. And Siraj said he uses Craigslist Premium membership and mm -hmm. it has nice comps, including medical, um, which is a good share. And yeah, then, I so, forgot about Craigslist. That's a good point. Uh, Salome clarified on her question of um, looking for her first commercial investment, different asset types that she is in California. Uh, oh. It sounds like she's primarily looking in San Diego. San Diego is a fantastic market. It's on fire. Um, so, yeah, uh, what I would recommend, go out of San Diego, but still be in San Diego County. And there is a lot of other uh, suburbs that you could probably, um, you know, chase a smaller deal that the big investors are not looking at. Awesome. Um, another question from Shayna. She asks, is Dallas a strong market for medical office building versus Houston? Absolutely, yeah. There is a huge, I mean, I think Dallas is one of the largest medical campuses in nation. So Dallas is pretty well diversified. Uh, you got technology, you got medical, you still have some energy companies there. Um, I really like Dallas and you could still find some, you know, incredible value at deals um, in Dallas. All right. Uh, another question from Samar. She asked, what is your suggestion to free up 200 to 300,000 in down payment for commercial real estate when capital is tied up in the market with equity market currently being down? 
Mm -hmm. That's a tough one because if you get a margin uh, loan against your portfolio, then you're going to be handcuffed. If market drops even further, you get a margin call. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> if all your money is uh, tied up in equities, um, I would say uh, you probably just going to have to wait. They say the second half of this year, market's going to, you know, recover and even, you know, get to 5,000 on S&P, which is pretty optimistic. Um, I don't doubt it. Uh, I don't think this war with Ukraine is going to last much longer. I think Putin's getting the pressure from all the billionaires. Uh, and who knows? I think uh, once that ends, I think the market's going to rally pretty big, uh, in my opinion. And the Fed didn't increase 50 basis point, increased only a quarter. And I think they're pretty agile. And I think they're going to uh, be a little bit more market friendly than most people think. So um, I'm bullish second half of this year. And I would say just hang in there a couple more months. Uh, you may be able to cash out and sell through the strength rather than sell through the weakness and lose money. All right. We have a few more questions we'll try and get through. Uh, the next one is from Enoch. Yeah, it's good to see you. It's been a little bit. He said, I have a 2,000 square foot flex industrial property that I use for my business in SoCal valued at 750,000 with about 500,000 in equity. I need a larger space, but there aren't many properties in the area that I need to be in with any kind of value. Should I cash out refi for now and wait to use that cash to buy something or sell do 1031 and accept a property that does not have much upside. From a business perspective, I'm not in a hurry to move, but could just use more space. That's a tough one. So 2,000 feet, 700, so that's 350 bucks a foot. Mm, that's always sellable at that price. So um, I would definitely do the cash out refi. And um, maybe, uh, you know, unless you find another property with, you know, 50% vacancy that you could do a 1031 and buy that, that would be the, like the dream come true scenario because then you'll use SBA loan and you'll, make a profit on the 2000 feet you own and you'll add value by occupying the 50% vacant uh, new building. Uh, but that's going to be very difficult in this market. Like I said, industrial super, super hot. Um, you know, vacancy rates for industrial are under 1% in Orange County, under 1%. So it's 99 point something occupancy average. That's mind boggling. And I think that's the hottest industrial market in the entire nation. Uh, from what CB Richard also was saying. So if that's the case and you're in this hot of a market, you may want to just do the cash out refi and uh, wait for an opportunity in the future. All right. If we have time for one more question before we wrap it up, uh, we have one that came in from George. He said, if you were actively doing well in the residential space and had experience with multifamily, but you saw the value of larger assets outside of just residential or multifamily, and you have access to a large sum of money where you'd put your focus, uh, where would you put your focus? Would you stay in your lane and stick to more residential and multifamily or move to different asset class or a combination of both? I have a unique situation where I might have access to someone who wants to invest about 15 million for equity, of course, into my partner uh, and I, but of course we would want to manage that money as well. I would say it depends if you're uh, making 20, 30% a year average ROI on your you know, multifamily residential you're doing, um, stay in your lane. 
And if you can absorb that 15 million, there is enough deal flow, you can absorb it. And you already are successful doing that, stick to that. Um, often than not, I see people making a mistake going from residential to a high rise and uh, they don't know what they're doing. There's a learning curve and then they lose the building. Just like 333 owner, I sold uh, in 2015 for 18.5 million, my 12 story building. And he had a lot of multifamily in California. He sold and he exchanged. He wanted to get into commercial. He had no idea what he was doing and he lost many good tenants. As a result, he lost the building to the bank and I ended up buying it back for 7.2 million. So uh, I would say if you're successful at what you're doing on that asset class, stick to that and nibble with commercial property on the side before, you know, for a year or two before you take other people's money. All right. Wow, I need some water. <laughs> that was great, guys. Uh, great chatting with you guys. I hope you guys uh, are safe and well, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Be well.